Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast with Laura Gregg and David Partain of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds. Now, this is one of my favorite episodes because we get to learn more about Laura and David from Laura and David. What makes them get up in the morning? So, in fact, Laura, is it that early coffee that gets you going or is it something else? <laughs> well, it's getting to come into the office and work with David Partain every day. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and it's the coffee. Good answer. Good um, answer. But- We are so happy to be here. Thank you for listening in today. This is our first episode of the Flexible Advisor podcast. And what we hope to do with this podcast is really dig into industry trends, investor preferences, and the proprietary advisor and investor research that we conduct here at FlexShares. And we're going to invite a whole host of guests from throughout the industry to challenge our data and to react to the research and tell us what their experience is. And if we do our jobs right, we hope to leave you with a new way to look at important issues and give you some actionable takeaways to help you grow a more profitable advisory business. So Laura, is that like challenge like my dog that gets me up and out of bed every morning? Is that (laughs) what we're talking about here? Actually, it's thinking about it. I remember about 10 years ago when you started doing research in general, and it was on a scalability and how uh, advisors were taking advantage of the growing use of outsourcing their portfolio management. And then it was about three years ago that it was long enough from the financial crisis that I thought, I wonder how advisors are doing. And I read an article on Morningstar.com that talked about advisors being really stressed out during 2008 through 10. Well, which, no duh. And so I thought, well, how are they doing today? And the bottom line was that they were still stressed out. And so that kind of led us down this path, like, okay, advisors appreciate knowing what an investment house is offering in terms of product and the funds and Quite frankly, there are tons of them and they're overwhelmed. But what they need and what they want is ways to grow their business. And so what kind of information can we provide that can grow their business? And what a better way to do that than to survey across the country and get a broad swath of them telling what makes them special, what makes them tick, what are some things that we think are standards and they come back and say, oh, no, 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 that's not the way you want to do it. So that's where when we started doing this, I was really excited to have you join the marketing team and uh, push out a huge initiative and campaign after campaign of this type of research. Yeah, well, I think, you know, everybody, I'm not going to limit it to advisors, but particularly with advisors, they want to understand what their peers are doing, where their peers are having success where their peers are not having success so that they can divert from that path. And and being able to do this proprietary research enables us to share some of those insights. And and a lot of what we're doing now is actually talking to investors and investors and asking them about their wealth management 
experience, what's mm-hmm. resonating, what's what's annoying them, why they leave, and so on and so forth. And yeah, but you've also visited some schools where they're trying to train up the next generation, and you've had some great conversations with people, deans that run those college programs. And so that's also been a, a big source of information for us that we're going to utilize in this podcast and bring to life. Yeah. And, you know, the challenge, I don't think it's a surprise for anybody on this call, but the, the challenge is we're, we're facing a huge shortage of advisors in the next decade. And we're just not finding the young talent to come in behind them. They're interested in other things or they have no awareness of what this financial planning and financial advisory space is and why they should be in it. And I truly think, you know, that with millennials and Gen Z behind them, those are people who who are interested in helping other people, interested in making an impact. And what better career can you have to make an impact than helping people get their financial lives in order and leave a legacy for their family? Yeah, if you look at the generational... You know, within a generational context, they are actually looking at that as something that's important to their core values, that those generations that are coming up. And so if you also, from our surveys, you found out that advisors love this business for that main reason, helping people, but also for the, the ability to set your own hours, to kind of be your own uh, manager, so to speak, and run your own business. And that is all very, advisors look at that as being Uh, very fulfilling for them in their life. Right. I mean, flexibility is so important and technology is such a big part of that because it's the gateway to flexibility. And in one of our recent studies, we asked about the whole work-life balance thing, which I think typically we think of work-life balance as a woman or millennial thing. But in, in that research study, the men were were struggling with it. They mm. were they were having a lot of guilt. They wanted to be home when they were at work and at work when they weren't at home. And and so that's just, you know, one example of some of the things that we're going to dive into in the series. And so you're saying uh, us men are guilt-ridden. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Don't, we can't, darn if we do, darn if we don't. Exactly, I guess exactly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe what we could do is talk about some of the research that we'll be diving into in future episodes and and some of the types of guests we'll bring on to debate with us, whether they think our research is on the mark or off the mark or, you know, what their experiences are. Yeah. And also you and I go out on the road and speak at uh, conferences and we get asked, like kids say the darndest things, some of the darndest questions by advisors who will tell us this or that based on our research findings and what they've found. And so we'll bring some of that back. Right, right. And, you know, we have the luxury of being able to, our surveys aren't one and done. We're able to field a mm-hmm. survey. And then, you know, the challenge is you, you get some of these answers back and you think, oh my gosh, why didn't I ask four follow-up questions to that? And so we take those and we catalog them. And as we're out on the road speaking, we get these different insights so that the next time we field that survey, we can add some more nuance to it and, and really dig deeper on some of the most surprising results that we found. And so so that's really been a lot of fun to do because it keeps it fresh and it keeps us aware of, of what's really happening um, out there with advisors that we serve. So that cataloging and all that, can you say nerds maybe? <laughs> I think that both of us enjoy that, but I, um, I'm going to call you the bigger nerd of the two of us. You love, you really love the, getting into this, and I have 
seen you really look at a question and go, how can we ask that better? How can we ask that different and get a very actionable uh, step that advisors can do just based off you looking at a single question? It's really cool. Well, yeah. I mean, again, I'm really interested in all of this, but at the end of the day, we want to provide something of value for our advisor clients to take away. Sometimes it's a nugget. We hope most times it's more than a nugget, but just a new way of looking at something or a new thing to consider. And as we do these uh, podcasts and bring guests on, we'll make sure they don't leave us without providing one actionable idea, one actionable takeaway for our audience. So I think we'll have some fun with that. But David, why don't you tell us a little bit about your first research project here at FlexShares? Because that got a lot of traction. Yeah, that was the one I mentioned before earlier about advisor wellness. And what it really led to was us not only not only understanding that advisors are stressed, we kind of guessed that just because of the way they answered the question, but we had almost this was a fairly long in-depth survey, and we had almost 700 advisors answer it all the way through. And that's really unheard of and yeah. within two weeks. So it was something that advisors really wanted to talk about. So there was a variety of responses that we got. But the biggest thing that came out of it was when you and I were on the road and it was like, we advisors saying, yeah, so we're stressed, so what? And so we actually brought in a, a medical doctor who does some has patients who are in this field here in Chicago, and he actually uh, presented with us on some things that you can actually do. And so, getting him on a podcast would be uh, a very good, I think, a way for us to take that research and apply it right. to the and, advisor. And he talked a lot about stress, and and you know, I think when we talk about stress, we think stress is bad. Mm. And Ari was the one to, you know, point out very clearly. It's like, no, there's a lot of stress that's really good. It's the stuff that keeps you going, pushing the envelope. When it becomes toxic, that's when you have to adjust and and figure something out. So I think that that's great that we should definitely invite him to an episode. And and just if you happen to be a Blackhawks fan, you'll enjoy him because he was the medical doctor for the Chicago Mm. Blackhawks. Right. Well, or this is our inaugural issue our inaugural podcast, rather. And I uh, just want to talk a little bit about who you and I are and where we got our start and how we got into the business. And if uh, you don't mind, talk a little bit about where you start, where you started, how you got here. Sure. Well, I was in commercial real estate <laughs> and was looking for something different. And I was doing some volunteer work and somebody said, well, you can write. You're a writing major. So we've got a job writing about our bond mutual funds. So that's kind of how I started. And I would say that's really kind of how I got the whole research bug. So I went in feeling a little bit less than. I was a, I was a, I was a good writer. I was an English major, but I didn't know anything about this business. But a couple things attracted me to it. I felt like I needed to understand this. This is a great industry for those of us who come from outside of it or without a financial background, because everybody needs to understand personal finance and, in my opinion, how the markets work. And so there was a great opportunity for me to join and writing about muni bonds and all kinds of fixed income instruments really um, got me there quickly. <laughs> but I've always, you know, since entering this industry, I read everything I can get my hands on just so that I understand it a little bit better. 
And I like to ask a lot of questions. So the first formal research I did here, Northern Trust and now FlexShares, was right after the downturn in 2008, early in 2009, I was in a marketing role supporting a sales team selling mutual funds to RIAs. And what we were seeing was that a lot of RIAs, after some really difficult conversations, were moving their investment, their client investment portfolios over to turnkey asset managers or larger RIAs who had models. They didn't want to have those conversations. And they realized probably for the first time that their true value was in the relationship. It wasn't necessarily choosing stocks and bonds and the portfolio construction. But where I sat, that was an issue. It was a, it was a business issue. So we we did this research. We asked if advisors outsourcing investment management, and if so, we took them down one track, or if not, we took them down another. We wanted to understand what their experience was, what the experience of outsourcing was for their clients, and for those managing things in-house, how were they handling it all? And so we field the survey every other year, and we're actually just yesterday, I think, it went into the field. We're at 10, 10 years now. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's, it's, I've got three children, but my family says this is my fourth child, <laughs> and I, I may love it more than the others on <laughs> any on given the day. day. I imagine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we're really excited to share that research that will be probably later in the summer, early fall. But we've seen a lot of changes over the years. And so in some future episodes, we'll, we'll talk about the, the latest iteration and, and what things look like now. Yeah. Well, I actually got in the business uh, as a, in the unit investment trust side when those were popular in the 80s. And I remember zero coupon treasury bonds at 10%. Part of my role eventually became trading bonds, fixed income, and uh, on the corporate and treasury side for our portfolios. And so that goes back a, a long ways, a, a way that pe people would love to have those type of interest rates now. But uh, all of you know, I already told you I have a dog and it's called, it's a Newfoundland poodle mix. I'm can't say this uh, with a straight face, but it's a Newfie poo. That sounds really good for me to say. <laughs> but we've always had dogs and we have rescued many of them. And I'll have to say that my career sometimes has felt like I got rescued. So I moved into the marketing role at a mutual fund company and then thought I could start my own. So I went out and I got venture capital and tried to start my own. And that didn't work out as planned. And so I moved then in into oil and gas with my brother. And now I've ended up here. I think I added up to my, my son was asking me, well, how many jobs have you had? I think it's been 14 different <laughs> roles in my career. And I'm not 92. So that's, um, that's actually more what the, the Gen X and Gen Z are seeing and millennials are seeing in terms of how fast they move. And so I've always looked at this in this research as we are nearing a, what I believe is a generational tipping point on many issues, whether it's diversity, whether it's just the investment process itself and how advisors are going to have to up their game in terms of the client journey. Because all of us go on Amazon, all of us go on Apple, and we compare everybody to that. And so that's one of the things that drives me as a marketer 
is to be better because they're always getting better. And so I have to be better too. But that's whether that's in the investment world or the retail world, it's all the same now. Absolutely. So we just finished a a research study on building diverse and multi-generational teams as a segue to what you were saying earlier. And we're really interested in in that. And um, what we're finding is that everybody is all, all on board for diversity until they're not. Hmm. Advisors are all about hiring diverse teams. And by diverse, I'm talking gender and age and race and LGBTQ and other things. And they tell us this. And then, you know, as we ask them further questions, they follow it up with, I hire mainly from my personal and family networks. So probably doesn't lend itself to finding the right people for a diverse team. And then uh, we surveyed investors. And again, nobody, none of the investors that we surveyed, it didn't matter the gender or the age or the race of their financial advisor. But when we followed that up with who they actually were seeking and who they hired, it was somebody that looked like them. Men were hiring male advisors. Females wanted more female advisors, but because of the construct of our industry where most of the advisors out there are men, females were ending up with more male advisors, but it wasn't their first choice. And Asian investors were hiring Asian advisors and people of color were seeking people of color to help them. And so we're really excited to be bringing out some of that data. And we'll be bringing in a variety of guests from African-American financial advisor to tell us what he's seen to some of the program directors at universities who have undergraduate CFP programs and are graduating the next generation of talent and and other people even within the larger Northern Trust organization and trying to understand what they're doing as well. As you mentioned earlier, we, with this research, we look at it as a partnership with advisors. We, we know everyone has product that they can offer, as I mentioned earlier, but it's being in partner with advisors because we feel like this industry is not under attack, but is definitely looking at a tipping point when we see how many, how much is going to be inherited by the next generations and they're going to need help from advisors who they trust. And so a lot of this research that we're doing is in partnership with both advisors and individual investors so that they can understand the client journey, how to improve it, and how to ultimately improve their business. Right. And, you know, to that end, there was a a stat that came out about a year ago from Cerulli. And, you know, one of the challenges for us is that, you know, they, they cited that $2 trillion dollars in investments are going to flow right over advisors and into the hands of TD Schwab, Vanguard, and others. And these are not low value, you know, what we used to call robo accounts or digital accounts. These are real accounts with real money. And, and those firms are staffing up with human capital to help that transition. So at FlexShares, we serve a variety of clients, but we want to provide this information to help the advisor who is not 
doing business as an employee of Schwab or Vanguard or whomever, the independence. And we hope that it's helpful. Yeah, you know, you look at the Schwab TD merger, you just know that there's there's more coming. Yeah. And it's um but I'd also know that the stats say that the RIA model is um is a winner. And so people are looking investors are looking at that and their kids are looking at that because that's who's going to get this money at the end of the day. Yeah. So what are some of the other topics we've got online? Well, we uh, also did a study of high net worth primary breadwinners, and it started out, I had to update a, an opinion piece about a year and a half ago that, that somebody had written, and it was a fan favorite of the advisors that we serve, and, and the, the topic was how to find executive female investors and then how to retain them. And it was a really great piece, but when it came to me, I wanted to put my thumbprint on it. And as we talked about earlier, I'm kind of a a data person. (laughs) And so I I spent most of the summer of 2018 Googling uh, executive female investors or primary breadwinning women. And, you know, while there is a boatload of stuff out there on female investors, there's next to nothing on high net worth primary breadwinner women. So I went to David and said, this is, you know, we got to do this. We need to understand how these women are different from other females, how they're different from their male peers. And he said, yeah. So we, we work with a, a research firm in California and we were almost ready to shoot the survey out and I always joke, I wish it was my idea, but it was actually theirs. And they said, you know, this is a great survey, but we got to include the men. And I am so, so grateful that they came to us with that idea, even though it was very late in the game, because having the insight of primary breadwinner men, not the husbands of these women, but the their their peers, really gave us a lot of rich data. Contrast. Yeah, a good contrast to say yeah. the least. Yeah. In the work that we do around this, we really go through a lot of stereotypes. And and I, I like to think of myself as somebody who's enlightened, but I realized that I was still making inappropriate assumptions. And so we've gotten a lot of good feedback. We're excited to share some of that research. I'll talk about one thing on that and then we'll move on. But, you know, I, I think we are so often accustomed to hearing that women are risk averse. We're afraid of risk. We like conservative portfolios. And, and while that may be true for the broader um, universe of women, again, we surveyed high net worth primary breadwinners. Our universe told us very, something very differently. We asked all of our respondents to tell us what type of advisor they identified as conservative, moderately conservative, all the way up to aggressive. And, and we defined each of those so that everybody was working from the same starting point. And not surprisingly, 11% of our female respondents were seeing themselves as conservative investors. But 31%, more than double that number of men, identified as being conservative investors. On the other end of the spectrum, men, yes, they were more aggressive, but with a much smaller variance from their female counterparts. 11% of men identified as being aggressive versus 7% of women. That was one of, I don't know, maybe seven or eight different stereotypes that in future episodes, we'll kind of dig through. 
We'll talk to our guests and we'll get their feedback on it. Yeah, that's where you learned that I was so stretched out. You started treating, treating <laughs> me a lot better in the office. I, I do remember that. Exactly, exactly. And uh, the other thing I want to make sure that everyone knows is that when Laura says data, she means nerds. That's what she means. So <laughs> I just understand that going forward. Well, Laura, it is a pleasure to do this podcast with you. I am so excited to get to talk to all the guests that you've already lined up a significant amount of them that you've been on the road and you've met with people that are going to be fascinating guests for us in the near future. Well, I'm really excited about it. And we we hope you'll tune in again to the next episode of the Flexible Advisor podcast. And thanks, Laura and David of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds. And now that you have met them, Laura and her data and David's new fee poo, why not subscribe to the Flexible Advisor podcast with Laura Gregg and David Partain? Simply use the subscribe button right on this page. And you can also share the button to jumpstart a conversation with colleagues and friends. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to the Flexible Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.